0: Welcome to Cloudlandia, Mr. Sullivan, Ah, Mr. Jackson, welcome to Cloudlandia, so much to report on. Oh my goodness. I know what a whirlwind adventure, huh? You've been out in Phoenix and back. Yeah.
1: Yeah, we did. We got back last night, arrived at eight o'clock and had a very enjoyable hour and 10 minute wait for our baggage. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. So all the veteran skilled baggage handlers, I think, mm-hmm. use the COVID opportunity to retire, I think.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. And all the it's, low seniority it's, people get it's Saturday very night. Interesting.
1: It's very interesting because the baby boomers are the biggest generation in the history of the world, you know, for a particular country. and And they're all retiring at the same time, you know, mm-hmm. four, 40 years of skills and already sometimes 50 years of skills in particular areas. And they're, you know, they either took early out, you know, they got an offer from big mm-hmm. institutions, especially like Air Canada be, being one, one of the big institutions and they had to cut, They had to cut money, so I think they cut money by buying out all their skilled people, okay? And there's some advantages to that. You temporarily save money, but there's some disadvantages to that. You permanently take off a lot of passengers.
0: Well, it's true with their core value, though, right? Which is, of course, as you identified, we're not happy until you're not happy (laughs) That's exactly (laughs) right. So it's right on brand. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. And, you know, no announcement or anything. And if you go up and talk to the people, they say it's coming, you know.
0: It's coming.
1: Which is, I guess, reassuring if you had doubts about that.
0: (laughs) I think, I believe Toronto may be. No, I'm going to take that back because he's landed in Heathrow. You also have, it seems like there's a, you know, the longest walk I've ever had in, inside of an airport has been <laughs> either in Heathrow or at the far international gates of Terminal 3 in Toronto.
1: Well, that's, that was the problem. We, our plane came right in where all you have to do is get up to the higher level. We were Right at the escalator down to customs and immigration. So no, we were at the we were at the baggage. You know, whatever That's they, the
0: problem, things that go <laughs> around.
1: We we were there really early, and and so anyway. But I practiced my mantra. You know, if this didn't bother me, what would I be doing? And, oh, right, uh, right. And I practiced it probably forty, fifty times.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that is so funny! That's where TikTok comes in handy. It'll just let the time go by quickly for you. Yeah, that's yeah, funny. yeah. That's funny. Our and our, you know, willingness to be okay with waiting for stuff. It's not-
1: I think it's going to be the norm. That one, you know, like I don't think there's ever going to be as efficient. And as a fast moving year in the future as we had in 2019, I think Mm. think that's an hour. You mean
0: in terms of airline? Do you know, when I was traveling the last year that Joe and I were doing Joe Stump, when we were doing the big real estate seminars, doing a big event every month, so we're traveling somewhere, I really honed the friction-free travel program System down to as good as you could get it without taking the next step to private flight, like private truck. Mm-hmm. and I would have because of th- that was one of the things that I hated with the uncertainty of waiting for your bags, especially when you're coming home. It's such mm-hmm. a you know thing. So I got into this routine of shipping my bags. And I would get, you know, I had a checklist of everything that I would need for the trip. Courtney, our assistant, would pack everything for me. And, you know, the day before or two days before I was flying out, they would come and pick up my bag right at the house. And we had prearranged with the hotel to let them know to expect it. So it would always arrived the day before I did. And when I would go to the airport, I had arranged, I would either, you know, valet park at the Hyatt Hotel, which was attached to the airport in Orlando, mm-hmm. just go up the elevator. I had the clear pass at the time, which was new to be able mm-hmm. to skip the security line and go right to the lounge and then get right on the plane, walk off get in a prearranged limo, and go to the mm-hmm. hotel. And when I got to the hotel, my room was ready and my bag was up in there waiting for me. That was like the friction-free way of, of the travel for me. It was fun because that was kind of a routine that I would go through is, uh, is on Make My Life Better Day. I would have ways where I'm looking for the friction in my life and looking for mm-hmm. ways to uh, do an, an experience yeah. transformer kind of thing mm-hmm. on it. And so I was pretty happy with that. So the last couple of years that we did the the main events were really, they were great. Travel mm-hmm. is such a, such a cool thing to not ever have to touch my bag, you know, mm-hmm. i had create an, I created a little kit that I would put together. I got a separate laptop and power cords and things that I would want to have in the you know at the main event and i would that would travel with the equipment you know for putting on the show kind of thing so that would be there that would be there for me too so i didn't even have to carry my laptop it was great
1: well i've sort of done it the other way i've just eliminated the need for travel
0: (laughs) (laughs) me too i love it you know this is so yeah i mean
1: uh The one particular thing that I eliminated was any need for travel for marketing or sales purposes. Uh, And our our results from Zoom are easily 50% better. You know, a two-hour Zoom session. And the neat thing about it is that you get people from all over the world to come to the session where if you, in the old days, you went someplace, but the only people you got were people who lived nearby. And so the quality of people is much higher in terms of, and the nice thing about zoom, you know, they didn't come for the food.
0: Well, you know, that's so true. You know, a couple of minutes before we got on the podcast, one of my clients and friends, Jose Camacho, you texted me and said, Dean, I'm starting strategic coach virtual in November. And that was, you know, he's a guy who lives in Miami, but travels often to his family is from Columbia mm-hmm. and they, so he's travels back and forth. But he's got young kids and, you know, running a business and going back and forth and all that stuff. So being able to do it virtual is, was an option for him. But that was, I thought that was funny that you mentioned that because that was his, that was his text. Good morning, Dean. I'm starting a virtual coach in November. Thanks to you. Yeah, Hop, clapping your hands. That's good.
1: Yeah, I mean uh, we go to London like the uh, we we have the London trip but it's mainly to see our team, you know, they Yeah, during the covid years uh, there was no going back and forth mm-hmm. and so we went, you know, we spent and then we had the day where I did a mini workshop, 2-3 hours in the morning for all clients and then mm-hmm. in the afternoon I did it for let me see If I got the order right there. No, in the morning I did it for all the clients who are in ten times who make the trip to North America. And Mm -hmm. in the afternoon I did it for everybody. You know, it'd be you know, all the British clients who have Mm -hmm. British coaches British coaches. So I did that. And then and but that was more, you know, meeting your friends, you know, it's Yeah, exactly. A meetup. Yeah, a meetup and you know, and we had you know two full dinners with our
0: team and uh, coaches, met the coaches and yeah, it was cool. Yeah, it was just Yeah. And I miss London like I do miss I mean, I miss Toronto and London. I would have that nice little summer swing of being at Toronto, London, Amsterdam. We do three event you know, back to back. So I do, well,
1: you're missing probably the warmest November weather in history. We got off the plane right last night. We we got out of the terminal last night, and it was seventy seventy two degrees Fahrenheit here. Wow, not too Oh, it's really nice. It was it's really a heat nice. wave. It is yes, that would legitimately qualify. By November in Canada standards as a heat wave. Yeah. But immediately I was seeing people saying, this is just proof, you know, that, you know, the cataclysm is approaching.
0: And I said, no, nah, it's just a nice week in November. i thought so. often, that's always been the big, you know, I still, I don't know, I've had, you know, whenever anybody brings up global warming, always my, what I just can't get past, Dan, is that. If we were once in an ice age, like I think the consensus is that we were yeah. I can't get past how did we warm up to current temperatures without the aid of combustible global engines?
1: warming without global warming
0: How does we do it i mean there's global warming, obviously, I we'll would call that pretty significant global warming, but how mm-hmm. does it happen without the aid of these evil? Fossil fuel burners.
1: The evil must. The evil must go much more deeply into human beings themselves. We we must be fundamentally evil.
0: <laughs> fundamentally, I mean that. Yeah.
1: So there. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's really interesting because there is clear evidence now. You know, because they brought. You know, people brought up the top, topic for their. You know, their own mission, you know, which is to get rid of the, you know, the fossil fuel based economy. But the, it was very clear evidence for the 300 years, you know, 1100 to 1400 D, so a half a millennium ago, that it was at least one or two degrees Fahrenheit warmer in England than, than at any time since then so there was a cooling period that went from the 1300s to the 1600s and you know and the, the temperature dropped very significantly and we're only recovering from that we haven't gotten back to the way it was in the 1300s it's mm-hmm. called the it's called the medieval warming period you know okay. and and you know but the history is up and down going back uh, you know hundreds of thousands of years But the interesting thing that, and this is the crux of why their contention about carbon dioxide is false, and that is there's no, there's only evidence that the temperature warms and then anywhere from 40 years later to 400 years later, the amount of CO2 goes up in the atmosphere, which would indicate to me that it's the warming that increases the CO2, not the other way around. And if that's true, you know, then there is no basis for the entire environmental movement. But my feeling Mm -hmm. is that it's an industry into itself right now, so that uh, it has detached itself from actual scientific evidence.
0: Mm. That is something that's that's dangerous when you start comparing things. I forget what the argument was. There was some thing that was trying to make those parallel correlations again, but turn it into causation. It mm-hmm. was something to do with with Roe v. Wade. What year was Roe v. Wade? 1973. Okay. Mm-hmm. So somebody was making some correlation between. Roe v. Wade and some, you know, some metric that was, this was causing that. And someone else in a debate did the same thing show, cause you know, when you show graphs and you show Mm -hmm. the correlating rise of things, ah, you see this went up and this went up, therefore this Mm -hmm. caused this to go up. Somebody did the same thing because I believe that the big Mac. Was also invented in 1973, and they showed the popularity of the Big Mac completely correlating with the same thing that they were trying to link to roe v. Wade and so it was just a great illustration yes. of, that kind of the Big Mac you know I think you and
1: I are pretty creative people, you know, and we can things that other people can connect. But so far, since you've put those two things, Roe versus Wade and the Big Mac, my creative brain just hasn't found any connection between those two.
0: <laughs> and I wish Maybe I, I need a third one. Third we, th- need tri- we need what, the triple We need the play. third thing, but it was we something that had gone up as a direct cause of that. Yeah.
1: Well, I think it's the fact that the Cleveland Indians haven't, won a World Series <laughs> <laughs> that should be a since Cleveland. 1973. I think it's been, the Cleveland
0: uh, Guardians now, Dan. Come on.
1: Cleveland, Gar- Cleveland Guardians, you know.
0: That's right.
1: That's funny in itself because That's- I do know people who are avid Cleveland fans, baseball fans, and they were just sickened, you know, when they changed their name. And, yeah. and they said, what do you think about that? And I said, I think if you have a name change like that, the way – to make it acceptable really quickly is to win the world series.
0: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you I said any, you know, I mean, and they actually surprised everybody because they, they had, they have the young, you know, they, I follow these things. So I know a few facts about it. And they, they actually were predicted to finish fourth in their division and they won the division and they, won the first level of the playoffs and they took the Yankees to the, push, the Yankees right to the limit before they won. And they, and, but I would have enjoyed it if the fact that they had gone all the way and won the world series, I said, yeah, you know, that, that's, that, that's how you establish your brand real quick. You know, I mean, if you have a change of name or something like that, just win the big prize and
0: Yeah, and And then
1: people would say, well, it kind of makes sense, uh, you know, that the previous name wasn't a World Series name, but this new name, you could clearly say Guardians, you know, Guardians, you can really, I mean, we knew it, we knew it that when they changed that name to the Guardians, it would give them extra motivation, it would give them, you know, there would be power to it and everything like that, you know. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, that's so
0: funny, yeah, so what were the the highlights of your trip were you down just for, just the for event? yeah
1: mm-hmm. uh, we you know we went down for a couple of days just to chill out you know we were there mm-hmm. on monday and tuesday monday tuesday and wednesday and, you know we you know we went out to dinner with friends that we know there and our team came down so we had three to three team members for the booth mm-hmm. so they you know, they came down and we had lunch and the uh, jeff madoff Was down doing interviews and videos. And so we went, one of the evenings, we went out to dinner with him and caught up on the progress with his play. So they have a firm date now in June of next year in Chicago for 12 weeks.
0: Wow, very exciting. Yeah.
1: Now, this is the Chicago's the jumping off point. I mean, if you do really well in Chicago, then New York is next.
0: Take it on the road. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: Well, the New York—you'd really want New York, and uh, yeah, and or London, and London is incredibly cheap right now because just in uh, during nor- you know like normal times—that's a funny word—but let's say five years ago, if you took an American play and put it on in London, the costs are about half as compared to New York but mm. now the dollar i mean the, the pound is below the dollar some days during the week the, uh, you know i've seen the pound go is down right? 90, 98 wow. cents you know i didn't yeah. realize that wow. yeah yeah well it's basically the same as the canadian dollar cuz we're getting I think on friday we got a dollar 38 with our american dollars here you know so i think that the i think there's not much difference between what the Exchange rate was between the pound and the Canadian dollar. I think they both decreased, you know, about, about the same amount.
0: Gotcha. I love it. Yeah, yeah. What do you think
1: about that? You know, the whole notion of you know, this is. I started hearing that the moment that coin was presented at Abundance Three Hundred and Sixty by Peter. He says this is going to be the global exchange currency. The dollar. He says you might as well. Put all of your dollars in the Bitcoin right now because Bitcoin is going to be. Well, Peter,
0: to his credit or whatever, was saying that in 2013, right when we first went there, and he even gave us, if I remember, fifty dollars of Bitcoin that required, of course, we open a wallet, open an account to have a wallet or whatever for it. But then I believe that it was at about three or four hundred dollars that in that time. So when you talk about the, as we're, you know, in the middle of this full migration to Cloudlandia as mm-hmm. the one world order kind of thing, that's really where we're at is that Cloudlandia is what the one world order is. And uh, these individual currencies seem, you know, it seems a little outdated in a lot of ways, right? Like to be able to and i think that we're looking at of of these right like a regional uh, the euro for example and i think boy it's just going to make sense when everything is all one unit you know
1: why would you say that it may, may,
0: why would you well, say from i mean essentially it is anyway right now
1: Well, that's what the, the reserve currency means—that you have a currency.
0: What the dollar is.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, I've studied this because I got interested in the claims. And uh, first of all, it, it has to be backed up by an economy. I mean, I'm just defining what the reserve currency is here, you know. And but essentially, it's fungible. It's the most fungible value on the planet. And by fungible, it means that anybody will
0: accept it. There, there isn't. Yeah, and just by agreement, that's just by agreement. It's well, not... that's
1: true of Bitcoin. That's true of Bitcoin. I mean, that's yeah, true of that's anything that's all by. Solved. Uh-huh. Uh, and the other thing about it is that it's backed up by an actual economy. That is, the value of that economy, the performance of that economy, doesn't have that much effect on the currency. So essentially, mm-hmm. there's two dollars in the world. There's the dollar as it's used in the United States, and there's the dollar where it's used outside of the United States. Okay, so there's no other country that's solid enough that the performance of the country wouldn't affect the value of the outside currency, only, mm-hmm. only the do- dollar. And part of the reason is because it's number one. <laughs> you know <laughs> and they mm-hmm. say, well, why is it number one? They, I said, basically, because... There has to be one that's number one, and it happens to be the one, but one of my friends here in Toronto is a he's been in currency exchange you know in his financial services career and everything else, and he was just telling me that this was six months ago he said, you know every day the amount of trade in the world is about five point four trillion dollars you know if you take all the buying and selling for that day, it's 5.4 trillion. And he said, you can pretty well multiply by the number of days in the year. So it's a lot, you know, Mm -hmm. he said, but 90% of it is in US dollars. And he said, then, so unless you have, it's one of those things, why does everybody use it? The reason why everybody uses it is because everybody uses it. And <laughs> it's going to be,
0: uh, it's going to be tough to overcome
1: too. It's going to be like, tough. yeah, well, it's like English. People say, well, yeah. why is English the global language? And they said, well, because everybody uses it, but why does everybody use it? Uh, mm-hmm. Basically because everybody uses it. So the thing is that all the value of the, and in in, where we are in 2022,
0: you know, and
1: we're just at the very early stages of the virtual world. I mean,
0: yeah, uh, you know, Atlantis I mean, in the infancy, right?
1: Yeah. I mean, basically the beginning of the Internet in the 90s, you know, that would be the, would uh, the beginning. Like for, the,
0: yeah. Well, I yeah. think that the uh, 2007, when the iPhone was born, would have been yeah. the Mayflower. <laughs> yeah. Arriving. You know the Mayflower well, arriving. Uh, in well, of, yeah. it was
1: almost like you had world maps then because yeah. you could key everything to GPS. Yeah. you Everything had GPS, and you had satellite uh-huh. cover. You had satellite coverage, so that you could, you know, you could have that. But the thing is that the virtual world is valuable, but there's actually no value in it. Okay, I mean, I know they're talking about the metaverse and people buying property and second life and everything else, but that's just play money. You know, people create their little kingdom and that It's, it's not really translatable in the money world. So I think we'd have to go be, you know, we'd have to be in the future 40, 50 years because all the. (laughs) (laughs) Dean, you're the prophet of real estate. There's no real estate in the, you know, there's the, the, there isn't enough real estate in the virtual world to be convincing that you would base your currency
0: value on it. Right. Yeah, that hybrid, I mean, it's certainly, it's almost like a, a dilution or a multiplier depending on which way you look at it. I heard, it might have been Joe Rogan was talking about his podcast about VR and, you know, the uh, the virtual rooms kind of thing, where it's not with the headpiece, but more like the holodeck in, mm-hmm. in Star Trek kind of thing that you can experience that for US in the ring, like uh, on the, you know, in, in the corner of the ring watching and experiencing the fight there from a a 3d camera on one of the corner posts of the, of the ring. And Mm -hmm. that they have other outposts, like you can sit in the crowd, you can sit on the toggle switch to the view of being right there in the ring. And, you know, you think that reminded me of when, I forget who was speaking at Abundant at A360 about the immersive concerts and football experiences where they're you know you can envision a future where they're selling season tickets, season virtual tickets to the Browns, where your season ticket is a a helmet, a Browns helmet that you can put on and sit right on the field or right anywhere that you want. And in the, you know, there's only one, you know, there's only one seat that is on the 50 yard line on in the front row on the field. In theory, you could have, it's a multiplier in that you could have one camera in that seat and have a million people with that same position. And that was something when in Fortnite, when they had a big concert and Marshmello, this artist had 10 million people in Fortnite. I saw a, a not a documentary, but like a docu video about how they did it. And there's actually, you know, it feels like there's only a hundred people around you there because you're in the, right up by the stage, but mm-hmm. there's they stacked all of those as blocks. You're, you're essentially had ten million people all had that same experience of being there with a hundred people, you know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, the place where I'm seeing it make great headway and I think that this would be probably true historically of technological advances is in weaponry and so the Americans have the new fighter, the F-35 it's really I mean apparently those who have had experience with it or no pilots, who, it's really quite an extraordinary plane because it's basically flown with the pilot's eyes okay so yeah the, the well, driving, yeah <laughs> so the, but they fly them in groups of six and all six our six pilots six planes are linked into a single unit single unit you know and they and mm-hmm. and they have I think combining all of their sensing range they have a they have a 500 mile radius where they're picking up anything that's within 500 miles of the six six plane collective and everything like that. And, but they work together, you know, they work together. I mean, they train together and the electronics holds everything together, you know, so they, it's a AI program that basically holds everything together, but they can see each other as if they are not in a plane. They can see, they, they can see each other as if they're just sitting and flying through space they can see the other wow the other you know and that's simulated of course they can't see that but yeah you know i I
0: saw something about that there's no windows in the plane it's all cameras and
1: yeah yeah and you know and the you know and uh, you know the artillery now i mean the a particular weapon that's being used by the ukrainians american-made weapon. It's called the HIMAR high, high intensity munitions that uh, you know you know goes up your ass. You know, I was just trying to find some words to fill in that's the rest a of the That's the technical, that's the
0: scientific term for it. Yes, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the rectal ranger, right? Yeah, <laughs> the, the rectal ranger.
1: But anyway, the <laughs> but the way it works is actually that the rockets that they use are on a truck. OK, so it's like, you know, it'd be like a really big garbage truck, you know, or or a cement truck where they can rotate the rockets up, you know, and circle the rockets. But it's all a unit on the back. And uh, so that's one component is the truck. And then they have three eaters. They have a driver and they have somebody who's just, you know, watching the terrain and the third person is the rocket launcher, and he's in the middle. But there's an American AWAC plane flying 200 miles outside of combat territory. So they're not in Ukraine. They're not in Russia. They're just flying on the Black Sea. And they have AI programs that can sense the, the uh, cell phone numbers of Russian officers. Okay. Unbelievable. So what happened very early in the war is that the, on almost like the first or second day, all the encryption codes that unified the officer corps of the Russians was destroyed by the Ukrainians. They destroyed it. They and And so they have to use their personal cell phone numbers. And the U.S. has every one of their personal cell phones. And and so what they do, the AI program is just looking where there's about a dozen of the cell phones in close proximity, and then they the plane itself, the American plane, logs in the six rockets on the truck, and then sends the signal, and a signal to the rocketeer on the truck, and he then he'll just send one of the six rockets. They have six and he sends one of them and it can hit a it can hit a dime from fifty fifty miles off. So if the target is to hit wow. a dime, they can hit a market. And but what it's done is is it's totally interfered with the decision making of the Russian officers because they can't afford to be in proximity with each other, you know. You know, and and pride puts a real kink in their drinking habits, you know, when you think about it. <laughs> if you take it a little further, but the, but, 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 <laughs> you know, you'd have to drink at a distance, which seems to defeat a lot of the pleasure. Uh-huh. Yeah. But anyway, and then the other thing is that they're almost more dem- demoralized than the troops because they know they're being watched all the time and they... You know, they have to think about the fact they're being watched, not think about their mission and everything like that. But if you yeah. put the three things together, it's almost like they've created a virtual world, you know, of picking up on cell phones, AI detecting yeah. where the distance is. The plane can't be seen. You know, I mean, it's at 50,000 feet and it's 200 miles away, but it's got a direct connection to this truck, and the truck, the moment it fires a rocket, it immediately moves to another place because the Russians have detection equipment where they can see where there's been a rocket launch, and they'll send a rocket there, but by the time their rocket comes, the truck is long gone. And then they have cargo trucks that have, I think, 10 of these six-packs, and they'd go Long during the day, they hide under trees and they'll drop off a six pack here. And then, when the rocket truck has used their six pack, they just drive there and they get a new six pack. Yeah, so but it's very interesting there. I mean, it's real world, this is all happening in the mainland, but it's using enormous cloudlandia capabilities
0: to. I think that reminds me of the whole, you know, what Peter Diamandis is. Sharon or introduced that idea of the AI you know the chess champions that it's not the pure it's not just AI that's the best chess players it's the combination and I think that's what I think Cloudlandia enabled mainland achievement is yeah. the it, it,
1: well, the the chess ai can create new moves that have never been done before.
0: Right. Yeah, it doesn't have intuition. Yeah,
1: and that's why humans can put together new chess moves. You know, what I mean <laughs> using that metaphorically. I mean the yeah. the what they're doing in the ukraine is a new chess move, you know, yeah. that hadn't been done before. It
0: constantly and, amazes me this that that kind of thinking even that leads to that, you know? Yeah. And that yeah. was my
1: little book, my last little book. You are not
0: a computer was really. I haven't read it yet. I got it just last week, right before yeah. we did our our workshop. virtual yeah. workshop. Yeah. So it's on my on my list here.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and the big thing is that it's a bit like the trick that they tried to do with global warming—that basically there's a correlation between CO2 increases and in global warming. And they said, therefore, global warming uh, is triggered by increases of CO2, which is Mm -hmm. increased by, you know, which is increased by human activity on the planet, you know, even though car farts are a way bigger issue. Yeah,
0: exactly. (laughs) Oh, that's so funny.
1: Yeah. yeah, I mean, you got to. I mean, you, you, you got you really got to zero in on the cow farts here, if you really uh-huh,
0: want to that's talk good.
1: about CO2. That's methane. That's not even yeah. CO2. That's methane. But anyway, so that what they get you locked in, they get you locked in. Oh, yes. CO2, global warming, CO2, global warming. Well, yeah. in the case of the—and I've watched the lock-in about your intelligence and human intelligence— Ever since I started going to A360, and it always is, humans are computers, are information processors. Humans are information processors. So they did this little switcheroo where, you know, they computers do exactly what humans do, but now we have the ability to do it at a much higher speed, and since... Human information is what we call intelligence. Therefore, much faster computers are more intelligent than human beings. The only problem with that is we're not information processors. We're actually really shitty information processors. We seldom get it right. And that's our strength. The fact is that we're really shitty at processing information. But what we are superb is taking any information and creating new meaning out of it. Yeah, yeah. and
0: re- making connections, right, exactly.
1: Yeah, Yes. Yeah. yeah. So you take away the information processing, you know, a correlation, and just means that computers do what computers do and humans do what they do. And probably if you can create teamwork between what computers do and what humans do, you get a bigger you get a bigger result.
0: I love it. So what was your big takeaways from the annual event?
1: Well, the two that, and one of them I knew, Dr. Tim Nelson, who is a stem cell scientist who has, for the first time, created a cure to weak heart muscles. So it comes under the category of congenital heart disease. Mm -hmm. Newborn babies, and he has the ability simply by taking a cell from the baby's body from the skin, they can create a uh, basically a stem cell soup. And that stem cell soup can be injected into the heart of the baby. And within a very short period of time, these cells go into the wall the muscles of the baby's heart and they start pumping as they should as they start so they they reintroduce the strength or they introduce into the heart the strength that was there for some reason or other that they couldn't do it yeah and uh, so we saw him on the longevity trip in august san francisco and san diego and he came for the entire trip so he traveled with us And I got to know him; and a really neat guy. And then introduced him to Joe. And you know, your life changes when you introduce somebody's life will change the moment Uh you you know that experience.
0: Yes, exactly. I
1: I know that experience. So the Uh last night we had dinner together, and Joe said, "You know, can you come to my Genius Network event?" So he came, and he talked. But when he was on the trip where I met him, where Babs and I met him early before Joe did. He had just gotten FDA approval, which is, you know, the gauntlet that all medical things have to go through. And so the previous Friday he had gotten to fully experiment on a hundred babies. You know, that's and this is the last oh, stage before before yep. full approval. And 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 then he's been inventive for twenty years. He's in the Mayo Clinic the system. And he's created lots of things. And so they had co-joint IP, but Mayo gave him all his IP back on Monday. So got FDA approval on Friday and the following Monday he got Mayo, gave him all his stuff back with the agreement that royalties that he receives for his IP, 3% of it goes to them. So I think it's you know. I think it's smart on their part, and I, you know, I hmm. think they're going to get well rewarded for it. So I talked to him about it. And I said, you know, and he's got a really neat thing, and I'm not going to use the name here because I recommended that he put it in for IP, but he has a name, and it's a new way of thinking about innovation and in medical science. I mean, what he's doing is brand new from a medical standpoint, but his concept mm-hmm. about what he's doing is equally transforming. And mm-hmm. I said, you're, you, you, What you've done is that you're creating a whole new approach to medical science and healthcare, just in the way that you've gone mm-hmm. about this. And then I introduced him to Keegan Caldwell, and uh, Keegan is going to capture all this. Innovation for him, you know. So, anyway, but then he said, Well, I want to come into your program. And he says, I've talked to a whole bunch of people here, and they want, and I said, You're a nonprofit. And he says, Yeah, our main company is main profit. And I says, You know, I won't even allow those two words to be said in the strategic. Uh Right, right, right. Nonprofit. I mean, I'm sorry. I've had two near death experiences with nonprofits, you know. Uh I don't. You may have heard of it. It's called bankruptcy. So, yeah. And,
0: uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> I said no. I, I don't. It's like, retire, it's like retirement. I don't allow anyone to talk. No. The word retirement, the coach. And he said no. But my IP company is profit making. Then you can come in. So he starts on December thirteenth. Yeah, yeah. And coach, but really great guy. And he just wowed the audience. And because, I mean, the thing he does, I mean, the particular medical trick he does is one thing. Okay. But the way he has organized his research, he's organized his delivery system for this and everything else is revolutionary. So. And when we're together and we're not being, you know, not being recorded by the National Security Agency, I'll tell you. <laughs> okay, perfect. <laughs> yeah, i tell you. what, Or uh, by the Communist Ch- Chinese Party. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyway, and then the other one was BJ Fogg. Uh-huh. Uh, BJ Fogg had this great little software that he's created where you create who you're networks, your social networks are. Yes. And, you know, and I'm sure these things exist somewhere, but he's got a particular philosophy that goes along with which is great. So he asked if anybody wants to collaborate with him and applying to them. So I told him I'd be happy to do it with our free zone.
0: Yeah. You know, the interesting thing is he was, I thought that overlay of kind of Dunbar's circles yeah. is really yeah. a, that, yeah. that's a pretty interesting thing when you start to look at, it was only when he showed the comparison of maps that are three different, what do you call them, charts, scraps, maps, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that you could start to recognize some, you could probably recognize some correlations there. Yeah.
1: Know? Yeah. And I read, you know, I turned him on, I actually spoke, I got up and I said, you know, there's a really great, you know, professor, professorial cosmic twin that you have out there named Joe Henrick, And Joe is at Harvard and Notre Dame and he's lots of uh, other places. And I said that he says that uh, that, you know, that the reason why humans dominate all other species is because They developed a second kind of intelligence about a million years ago that goes back Mm. that far. And he says that we, at a certain point, learned that we can use our individual brains to access the brains of other people. And we can Mm -hmm. do this, you know, and we can do this, you know, with lots of. I talk
0: about that a lot. So I have a little book called Getting Referrals, and it's The Mm. Secret Psychology of why people refer and that I refer to that as the cooperation game. And that's what it was when we started playing the cooperation game. Yeah. Then we really thrived as a species and that allowed us to get up to a, you know, collective of 150 people. And that Mm -hmm. was like the optimal unit size. And yeah, so fitting it seems, with our,
1: you know, it seems, mm-hmm. I mean it seems to be there's it's not scientifically true, but it's one right. of those things. And it's experientially true in the sense that right. in the mili- yeah. one of the things they use militarily that you never have any unit that's bigger than hundred and fifty. If you're coordinated and working together, hundred and fifty right. seems to be seems to be the level. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, but his point was at Harvard, not at Harvard Stanford, this is BJ Fogg. He, and I just raised my hand and I said, you know, Stanford's one of the, you know, Stanford's one of the top notch universities, but I notice in all cases, the universities in the high tech industry are putting an e- emphasis on, enhan- on enhancing individual intelligence. And I said, I said, I think it's a, I think it's a one way blind alley. And mm-hmm. because there is evidence that above a certain level of IQ, people's social intelligence falls off a cliff, you know, yes. that, you know, that you got 180 intelligence, but, you know, you, you you don't even know how to talk to other people. You don't pick up other right. people, you, you know, or you yeah. have a negative attitude towards other people and i said mm-hmm. the real trick is to have a good enough brain you know you, you want a good enough brain but then to use your brain to access the unique uniquely valued different brain abilities that other people have who not how i guess who not how would be a good description of that
0: absolutely and that's i've heard or read different studies that have said the, you know, the practical, your best IQ level is about 125 yeah. to have of because it's smart enough to be on the downslope of the bell curve on the far right, but not so far that you are unrelatable to the the bulk of the bell curve, you know? It's kind of an interesting thing, being able to do into Yeah, the practical,
1: there's sort of a practical band that's 120 to 140. When you Uh look at really effective leaders and really effective leaders, it's a 120, 140, 140 band, you
0: know.
1: Yeah, and and you know know the rule about IQ, don't you, that it's upgraded every 10 years? I
0: didn't know that. uh, I'll have to redo it. I did it.
1: A new one hundred is established like every ten years. You okay. know. So but a hundred IQ today is much smarter than a hundred IQ hundred years ago. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And I mean first of all, there weren't there there wasn't any uh, IQ test a hundred years ago. But yeah, mm-hmm. I think I think the first the Second World War Wonderlich is I think actually the first one wonder, like that was Kathy Colby's father. I and mean, I think that was developed for the U.S. military to sort out officers from non-officers. At, um,
0: well, that's you when know. you have the access to, you know, when you think about smartphones now to being able to essentially access all the brains, uh, you know, on the network, <laughs> that's really uh, everything at your fingertips kind of thing. It's pretty interesting like that. So Luba's mother was visiting this last week and she speaks Ukrainian and very little English, but Mm. there's the translation tools now. It can literally, I can text in the words and push the button and it says them in perfect Ukrainian. And so you realize you know, remember seeing at A three sixty the you know, the head the earpod, you know, attachment yeah. software that you can literally speak the words and it's instantly translating and playing into their headphones, their their earpods, the in their language, and they can reply in their language and it's translated into English. So you just think about the hours and hours of what it takes to Learn another language that's gone. There's no practical need to learn another language now. You know, I mean, you could argue, of course, the exercise well, of learning the language and of knowing well, the, other the language, thing is, uh, the nuances.
1: Languages are, you know, the structure and the use of the language are different from each other, you know, you know, and I've never learned another modern language, but I've learned Greek and I've learned Latin, you -hmm. know, and Latin requires totally different Mm -hmm. areas of your brain than English, English does. So Mm -hmm. that as the world has gotten more in touch with each other, they've sort of rounded each other off. So it kind of means what this means, you know, it's, I mean, you get the gist of it, but it's not exactly that, that the motions that are attached to the words are different and everything else. And one of the worries is that English is so dominant that everybody's learning, you know, everybody's forgetting other languages or other languages aren't being used. What Mm -hmm. they find is that there's about 60 different English languages now around the around the world you know and but it uses a different i mean a, a different language will use different different parts of your brain so there's a value you know. i mean i you know i don't believe that anything goes away you know and uh, you know so there will be you know we started off the hour today talking about you know virtual currency or crypto
0: currency mm-hmm. <clears throat>
1: but they're just decades and decades away of having any value backing them up like a reserve currency in the you know in the criteria and so far the greatest beneficiaries of um, crypto uh, especially bitcoin is the criminal element
0: yeah yeah out of sight yeah. out of yeah
1: well hard to track uh-huh. things uh-huh. but if it's going to become real it has to be absolutely trackable you know, right. so you know, so. But the other thing about it is that there's only one currency on the planet because when you say, "Well, let's look at Canada has a currency," and I says, "Yes, but its value is determined in another currency." In other words, how what's the Canadian yeah. dollar worth? Well, it's determined by so the essentially there's only one currency and everything's a speculative investment compared to the main currency
0: yeah and there's no real point of there's no arbitrage now really it's tougher because it's so instantly reconcilable you know
1: I, i do love it dean i know i
0: do i know
1: so so since 1989 The average has
0: been a dollar twenty-six. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Well, you've positioned yourself in the right way because you're getting, you know, eighty percent of our
1: eighty percent of our revenue is in U.S. dollars, and
0: eighty percent
1: of our expenses are in Canadian dollars.
0: Yeah. Yeah. See, that's great. Yeah. You did
1: it right. Well, people say you. How can you live up there with all the extra taxes? And I said, well, you know, uh, basically nice, free, yeah. Nice <laughs> quality of life. Yeah, nice quality yeah. of life. You know, you know, people are polite and everything like that. But I said there is the currency exchange makes a big difference. Yes. Yeah. So anyway. Smart. So to next week, I will be on the way to Nashville, Tennessee. At this time, so okay, uh,
0: it'll be two weeks from now
1: here unless you have something going
0: no i'll be here i'm i'll be here All Two right. weeks from today
1: two weeks from today
0: that's right big breakthroughs to succeed us here big breakthroughs in the imagine if you applied yourself technology yeah so look, yeah. something to look forward to there
1: yeah but i'm no closer to respecting authority
0: right exactly Nor should you be. (laughs) All right. Okay, Dan. I'll talk to you soon. Okay,
1: bye.